If you're glad to be here, would you say amen? amen. I'm glad to be in church tonight, I really am. I want you to take your Bible. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building tonight and take your Bible, if you will, and join me on page number 320 tonight if you have an old Schofield Bible or the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, page 320 in your old Schofield Bible, all right? And while you're locating that in your text, in your Bible tonight, I just want to remind you again of the Lord's Day. I hope you'll pray much for the services on Sunday, and let's ask the Lord to meet with us and to help us in these days, amen, and to speak to our hearts. I'm still looking for God to do something. I don't think it's too late, do you? And uh, so you help me pray. Let's ask the Lord to do great and mighty things for us in our services Sunday. All right, how many of y'all are tired tonight? Would you raise your hand? How many of you are hot? Are you hot? Raise your hand if you're hot. Man, it's hot, ain't it? It's hot. All right, I'll try to preach real fast, and we'll go somewhere where it gets cool. All right, look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. The Bible said this, And Hannah prayed and said... My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Man, that's good, that's a, that's good encouragement there tonight, isn't it? Uh, there is no rock like our God. Well, I'm going to ask you to leave your Bibles open tonight, and I want to kind of just, if I can, sum up uh, some things in our text here this evening, and uh, just hope it'll be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, would you please bless your word tonight, and just help us now as we look at the Bible here for just a moment. I know people have been out working this week, and it's hot, and folks are tired, but I pray for a little while that our spirit might be refreshed tonight in this service. Those listening by radio or maybe those watching on the live stream, I pray our hearts will be refreshed tonight as we just kind of wrap up the story of this lady by the name of Hannah. So bless the word tonight, bless your word, and speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, for a few services now, uh, we have been in 1 Samuel chapter 1 as we have began to look at the story of one of Israel's greatest leaders. His name was Samuel. Now, of course, we know that Samuel wasn't a king, but he was a judge. These judges were people who ruled over the nation of Israel from the time of the deaths of Moses and Joshua, the great leaders of Israel, and they, and they ruled up until the time of the introduction of the kings into the history of the nation of Israel. Samuel, out of all the judges, Samuel was the last of the 14 judges who led the nation of Israel. Samuel actually oversaw the transitioning of the nation from a, from a theocracy, that is being under the direct leadership of God, to the nation became a monarchy under the direct leadership of a king. Samuel, although he wasn't a king, was one of the best one of the most godly leaders, and yet probably one of the most overlooked leaders that Israel ever had. But as we have seen, oddly enough, when considering the opening chapter of his story, his story actually begins before there was a Samuel. For the last few weeks, we've been considering the story of a woman who would eventually wind up being the mother of Samuel, a woman by the name of Hannah. She was, if you remember from the, the opening chapter, she was a woman with a great problem. 
For some reason, the Lord had shut up her womb. She was unable to bring forth children, unable to conceive. She had a great problem, but she prayed a great prayer. That's right. Boy, she talked to God about it. And uh, the Bible said that when she prayed a great prayer, that God gave her a great promise. And then tonight, as we close her part of the story, we're going to find that this woman with a great problem, who prayed a great prayer, who got a great promise, wound up offering a great praise. This is the final part of her story. Now, if you think back to last week, just briefly, you may remember that Hannah has gone up to the house of the Lord, and while she was there, she experienced one of those services which would change the rest of her life. Boy, can I say this? Hannah was in a bad way when she went to church at Shiloh. She was in a rough way. Back in chapter 1, if you'll look back in chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible said this, she wept and she did not eat. I mean, she was in a bad way when she went to church that day. But by the time she left church that day, God had heard Hannah, God had helped Hannah, and God had healed Hannah. If you'll look down at verse 18 of this chapter, chapter 1, we find in the last phrase that she did eat and was no more sad. That's right. God had helped Hannah. You know, you never know, and I've said this a lot recently, but you never know when you're going to experience the service that's going to change the rest of your life. That's why we ought to be faithful to church. You never know when God's going to show up. Amen. And boy, I don't want to hear about it from somebody giving me a phone call after it's happened. Man, I want to be a part. You know, Thomas missed that service. That was a life-changing service, and he missed it and had to come back and hear what everybody was talking about, how good the Lord was. Hey, the Lord showed up. Thomas said, I I don't believe that. And you know, people that don't come, man, they don't have a tendency to understand all that's happened. Well, the Bible said that God touched Hannah at church that day, and when she left, she did eat, and she was no more sad. God helped her physically. God helped her emotionally, and God helped her spiritually. Well, she goes home. If you look back at 1 Samuel chapter 1 at the end of verse 19, the Bible said Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And then verse 20, it isn't long until Hannah has a little baby boy. Just what she prayed for, God gave it to her. And she called this young boy, she called him Samuel, which meant the Lord hath heard. I want to say again, I thank God for some Samuels that I've got in my life. You know, not every time that I pray, but there have been occasions throughout my walk with the Lord, my life with the Lord, there have been occasions when God answered my prayer. Hey, you didn't have to tell me. I didn't have to speculate about it. I knew the Lord had answered my prayer. And can I just say, thank God for the Samuels that I've got in my life. How many of you got some Samuels in your life? Sometimes that you just prayed and God answered your prayer. Well, God did that. And how fitting it was for Hannah to name him Samuel, the Lord hath heard. Boy, I'm glad God is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And by the way, God still hears prayer and God still answers prayer to this very day. Well, Hannah and Samuel stay together there for a little while. And all that while that, 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 that Hannah and Samuel are together, she's preparing him for the ministry. She's preparing him for what God has for him to do in his life. And eventually, we know from the story that she takes him up to the house 
house of God and she leaves him there. Now I've got to confess to you, I, I've kind of got mired up just a little bit in the opening chapter of this story about Samuel in the life of Hannah. I didn't intend to, but I tell you this, her life is such an example uh, for all of us that the more I read and studied about her, the more fascinated I became by, by what she did. So we're going to leave now chapter 1, enter chapter 2. We have one final, I guess we could say, one final glimpse of Hannah's life before she walks off the pages of the Word of God. Now let me tell you this, we're going to bump into her a time or two again as we move through the story of Samuel, but for the most part, this is the last that we're going to read about this woman by the name of Hannah. So consider this her final shout out, all right? One brief glimpse of her, final, uh, of her life before she walks off the pages of the Word of God. There are three great lessons back in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that Hannah teaches us as we live for God in these last days. Three great lessons. Here they are. Number one, Hannah teaches us to bring our burdens to the Lord. She teaches us, by example, to bring our burdens. Now, I have made much over these last several weeks about the heavy load that Hannah was bearing. The days in which Hannah lived was in the days when the judges ruled. And we know they were great days of chaos and confusion. The nation itself was in a mess. I mean, there was no leadership. And I'm telling you, the nation was sinking into the depths of depravity. And then, of course, you got to couple the condition of her nation with the condition of her church. We know that Eli and his boys was running things at the house of God in Shiloh. And then boys were wicked. I mean, man, they, it, they got so bad that the Bible said that men actually abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, let me put that in Forsyth County language. People just got where they hated going to the house of God. I mean, it was so bad. Them boys, I mean, they were just, they were rebellious. They were wicked. They were out of control. Eli couldn't do anything to help them. But when people went to the house of God, they suffered at the hands of these evil boys. Her nation was in a mess. Her church was in a mess. Her physical condition, I mean, being unable to bear a child made her life miserable. And to beat all that, if you look back in chapter 1, we read two times verse in, in verse number 7 and a little bit later on in this same story, verse 6 and verse 7, two times that the Lord had shut up Hannah's womb. You know, I'm sure it was a great mystery to Hannah. Why in the world the Lord was not allowing her to have a child? You've got to understand that back in those days, women were looked down upon that couldn't produce child, that couldn't conceive. They were looked at as being under the judgment of God, like they'd committed some great sin. And God was angry and mad at them. And uh, God was judging them by their barrenness. And you can just imagine what people were saying about Hannah. I mean, just, boy, something, she's done something bad. She's done something terrible. She is under the judgment of God. Her church is a mess. Her nation's a mess. Her own physical life is a mess. I mean, you, you couple that, that she couldn't have kids, along with the fact that she had to fight for the affection of her husband because he had moved the other woman right into the very household where Hannah was living. And then to add injury to insult, insult to injury, uh, the Bible said that this other lady, the other woman, could have children, and Hannah could not have children. And because of that, the other woman, Pen, uh, Peninnah, provoked Hannah. 
She, she lived constantly in an atmosphere where she was criticized, persecuted. She faced antagonism every day of her life. Now, you thought you had problems. Is anybody in here, your, your husband's moved the, the other woman in on you? Is anybody in here? If you'll, if you'll let me know, we'll vote him out of the church tonight. I mean, I don't think anybody in here probably, though we all have our problems tonight, and we all have different problems, some are worse than others, but the truth of the matter is we all have them, but I don't think anybody in here probably has it as bad as old Hannah did. She was definitely under a heavy load, but guess what? Hannah teaches us to bring all those burdens, to bring all that heavy load, to pick it up, and bring it to the Lord. We read back in verse 7 where the Bible said that she went up to the house of the Lord. Hey, can I just encourage you? Listen, when you have burdens and when you have problems, that's not the time to quit church. Hey, can I just encourage you tonight when you start having troubles in life, that's not the time for you to quit church. Why is it when men have trouble, the first thing they want to start doing is mark off going to the house of God. Friend, I'm telling you, if there's ever a time we need the Lord, we need God's help, it's when we're carrying the burdens of life. And Hannah teaches us, hey, bring your burdens to the Lord. There is a God in heaven that loves you and cares about you and that can help you bear the burdens of life. He can bear the problems of your situation. And the Bible said in verse 7, she went up to the house of the Lord. Not like that. You know, the Bible said back in verse number 3 that the house of the Lord was in a, in a place called Shiloh. And the name Shiloh means the place of rest. Boy, I'm glad you can bring your burdens to the Lord and in God's house you can find some rest. Amen. Aren't you glad? I know some of y'all really rested tonight because you're already going to sleep on me. But isn't this a good place to come to sleep? I'd rather for you to come over here and sleep and stay at home and sleep. Hey, don't call me Dr. Simon X for nothing. I can put them out with the best of them. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, God, if you believe the house of the Lord's a place of rest, look around you tonight. Some are dwelling in the land of Nod right now. But thank God we got a place that we can come to when life overwhelms us, when the burdens of life become too heavy to bear. Hey, why don't you, instead of talking to everybody else about them, why don't you bring them to the Lord, bring them to the altar, give them to God. I promise you, his shoulders are big enough to bear the burdens of your life. Hannah teaches us to bring our burdens. Amen. What the songwriter say? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There's a God that can help you with the burdens of life. Number one, Hannah teaches us to bring our burdens. But number two, in our text tonight, Hannah teaches us this. Not only to bring our burdens, but number two, Hannah teaches us this, to perform our promises. To perform our promises. You see, during that trip, that trip that she took up to the house of God, Hannah pours out her heart before the Lord. She pours out her soul before the Lord. Can I put it in for psychiatric language? She just laid it all open to God. She brought it to the Lord and just laid it down at the feet of God. And as she does so, if you look back in chapter 1 in verse number 11, she makes God a promise. And she says back in chapter 1 and verse number 11, Lord, if you remember thine handmaid, 
God, if you'll just be merciful to me and you'll give me a man child, I promise you, Lord, I'll give that child back to you. She makes God a promise. Well, guess what? God kept his end of the promise. Because it wasn't long, if you look down at verse 19, Elkanah knew her, the Lord remembered her. Verse number 20, she conceives, she bears a man-child. And the Bible said that God gave Hannah exactly what she asked for. Hannah was in a mess. She was in a time of a crisis in her life. She didn't feel like she could go on. She was under such a heavy load, but she prayed. She made God a promise. God kept his promise. And now, I guess it's going to kind of be to see where Hannah is going to keep her promise to the Lord. See, she keeps that little boy with her during the whole process of weaning that little boy. And then the Bible said that when he's old enough that to, to be weaned, we got to find out now, did Hannah keep her promise to the Lord? I mean, did she just say, you know something, Lord, I was in such a terrible time, uh, in such a terrible way, back in chapter 1 and verse 11. It was so hard. The life, my life was, uh, the burdens of life were so heavy. It was so tough. Lord, I was a little bit delirious. And Lord, could you just overlook the fact that, uh, that I promised you that if you'd give to me, that I'd give back to you. Could you just, if you don't mind, understand that was spoken out of great desperation. And I really didn't mean that. No, sir. That's not what Hannah did. We, found, we find in the Bible that Hannah did exactly what she promised the Lord she would do if he would touch her. Amen. You know what she teaches us? She teaches us to perform our promises. You know, again, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times throughout my years as a pastor that I've heard somebody in a time of crisis make all kind of promises to the Lord. You've heard those things too. But I, I, I guess being a preacher, you know, I've heard people, you know, in a time of great trouble in their life, something's gone wrong. Man, they start making God all kinds of promises. I've heard things like this, Lord, if you'll deliver me out of this dilemma, I'll serve you, Lord. I've heard that one before. I've heard some others in the, uh, laying, uh, standing by the bed in the hospital room, I've heard somebody say this, Lord, if you'll heal my body, I'll serve you. I've heard others say this, Lord, if you'll touch my loved one, if you'll just raise them up off this sick bed, God, if you'll just extend their life, I promise you, Lord, I'll live for you. Boy, I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the desk in my office, and here's a home sitting here, and this old boy's become unfaithful to his wife. She's found out about it. I mean, she's ready to kill him, and she ought to kill him. In fact, I'd get the gun for her and load it for her. She ought to kill him. But I mean, he, she is upset. She's ready to go. Looks like the marriage is just going to disintegrate. And I've heard old boys sit across the desk and say, Oh, God, if you'll just keep my marriage together, I promise you, from here on out, I'll be a different man. I've heard people make this promise before. Lord, if you'll give me a good job, I promise you, I'll tithe. Boy, how many times have I heard that one before? God, if you just do this for me, I promise you, I'll give back to you. I'll tithe, Lord, if you'll just do that. But then I've seen God answer those promises. I've seen God answer those prayers. I've seen God heal a body. I've seen God raise up a loved one. I've seen God miraculously keep a marriage together. I've watched the Lord do great things financially for people only to see those people who made those promises turn right around. And when God does it and things settle down, 
they forsake the promises that they've made. Remember last week, I put this up on the screen. Remember last week, all too often we're long on promises, but short on performances. Can I have an amen? amen? We're long on making promises, but we're short when it comes to the performance of those promises. But that wasn't so with Hannah. No, sir. God had kept his word to her, and now she will keep his word, her word, back to God. By the way, how commendable is that? I mean, just how, can I say, how refreshing is that? God helped her in her time of trouble. God delivered her in her time of crisis, and Hannah now turns around and does exactly what she promised God she'd do. I've said this before about Hannah, with Hannah, but when it came to Hannah, it wasn't all get and no give. Now, how many of us, when we come to God, we just want God. God, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, give me this. God, help me with this. And then God does it, and we turn right around and just forsake the Lord. But with Hannah, it wasn't all get and no give. Too many times, that's the way it is with us. If God will say this, God, if you'll get me this, or you'll get me that, and then God does it, and then we fail to give back to him. Can I have an amen? That is the way it is. But it wasn't that way with Hannah. She got what she desired of the Lord. She gave back to the Lord. I can still see. Can't you see that day? I can just see it in my mind. I mean, he's old enough now to be taken to the house of God. Boy, it's the day probably Hannah's dreading. I mean, all the years that she kept him. I don't know, three, four years that she kept him until finally he was old enough to, to get away from his mama. Boy, the day she dreaded, she packed his little clothes in a little suitcase, maybe packed him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or two, and they headed off to the house of God. She'd been preparing him for this moment. All those years that he'd been with her, those were not idle years. She'd been getting him ready for this moment. I want to call your attention again to the last phrase of chapter 1 because the Bible said when she got him there, and I got this circled in my Bible, but when she got him there, the Bible said... He, Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. Where does a little three, four-year-old boy learn how to worship God? At the feet of a mama who taught him about God. Man, I'm telling you. And that day finally comes. Her heart's broken. The tears are flowing. But they head off from Ramoth. And they're heading up to Shiloh, to the house of God. And all the way up there, she thinks about how she's got to leave him, how she's got to walk away from him. She's thinking about all that, but she's going to do what she said she would do. Well, I tell you what, that's pretty good preaching. She did what she said she would do. I think about how many in our church, and I'm not getting after y'all because ain't nobody in here I'm even talking to right now. But I think about during those days of our stewardship campaign and people say, hey, I pledge to give this and I'll pledge to give that. And the first, thing, things, first time things get a little tight around the house, first thing we drop off is what we promised to God that we'd give. You know, the Bible said it's better not to vow than to make a vow and then break it. We are long on promises. We are short on performances. I got an anonymous letter this week. No, this was a good one. No, it really was. It was a good one. They didn't sign it. And you know, I'm always skeptical. I, usually I don't do that. When, when, we get, when letters come with my name on them with no return address, usually I chunk them in the trash can. You know why? 
I don't, I don't want to know it. Don't be mad at me. I just throw them away. Because too many of them I've opened, and they've let me have it. And I, if anything, if the ministry's taught me anything, don't open letters that don't have a return address. That's what I've learned about the ministry. And I give you that good advice. Don't open letters that don't have a return address on them because people will let you have it. And bless God, there's so much of a chicken, they ain't got enough, they ain't got enough about them to sign their name to it. I can't tell you how many times, but I've got where I don't. But for some reason, I opened, and it was a good one. It was. Here's what they said. I wish I'd have brought it, but here's what the gist of it. Here's what they said. Preacher, during our last stewardship drive, uh, we, uh, we, we, we've been given this amount, X amount, but during our last stewardship drive, we decided we were going to double our stewardship offering. Now, preacher, you don't understand. We're on a fixed income. Man, things are tight at our house. But you encourage us to step out on faith and just trust God. And preacher, I just want to tell you, we doubled our stewardship offering, not realizing where the money was going to come to make up for the lack that we would have by doubling that. But, but the, whoever it was said, you know, the other day we got, a, we got a check through the mail signed by the president. And they said what we pledged to give was more than doubled with the check from the government. So I, he said, I guess I, or she, whoever, said this, I guess I could just say, the government give us the money to keep our promise to God. Can I tell you something? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, when we make a vow to God, a vow of faith to the Lord, and we ask God, God, we tell God, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to do that. Listen, you trust God. God will take you through it. God will get you through those tough times. And Hannah teaches us, man, just don't promise and then just forget about it. Let it fall by the wayside. If God does something for you, man, fulfill your promises to the Lord. Can I have an amen? Yes, sir. She teaches us to bring our burdens. She teaches us to perform our promises. But this is where I wanted to get to tonight. Look at our text and we're done. She teaches us to glorify our giver to glorify our giver. Can I say this? Watch this now. So Hannah has taken little Samuel up to the house of God. And she drops him off there. I can see her. She reaches down and she grabs that boy. She just holds him tight, squeezes him. The tears is just running down her cheeks. He don't understand it all, but he's crying because mama's crying. And finally she turns loose and it's time to head back home. And she leaves that little boy standing there in the doorway of the house of God. Boy, I can see her every little bit. She'll turn around and wave at him every little bit. And then she'll turn walk a little more. And she'll turn around. There he stands, that little suitcase and a peanut butter jelly sandwich in his hand. And, and he's waving back to mama. He, he, don't, he maybe don't understand it all. And she walks away. And on her way home, now watch this, on her way home with a broken heart and the tears flowing freely, she still in her heart is filled with gratitude for the gift that God has given her. In fact, if you'll begin in verse 1 of chapter 2 and re read all the way down to verse number 10, what we've got here is the prayer of Hannah in thanksgiving for how good the Lord has been to her. You see, God has turned the tables for Hannah. God has turned her midnight into noonday. God has turned her desert into an oasis. And she's going to praise him for it. God, Watch this. God gave her a Samuel. And she ain't about to not say anything to God about it. 
Amen. I don't know about you. But I asked you a moment ago, how many of us got Samuels? Boy, we all got Samuels in this room. Hey, when's the last time you said, God, before we go any further, I want to thank you for my Samuel. I want to thank you for the prayer that you have answered for me. You see, Hannah didn't get so caught up with the gift that she forgot the giver. Too many times you and I get so mesmerized by the gift. What we do is God gives us something, then we just forget all about it, we move on to the next thing. Hey, what about some praise for the gift that God gave us? Hey, what about some adoration and and some worship for what God's already done for us? How can we stay quiet when God has given us so many Samuels? I I don't mean to beat this horse to death, but can I just say this? I really think it pleases the Lord when we acknowledge the blessings that He has bestowed upon us in our lives. Can I tell you something about God? You know, you ever leave your house, and I may have mentioned this not long ago, forgive me if I did, but you ever leave your house on a hot summer night? We're getting ready to have some hot nights. But you ever leave your house on a hot summer night, maybe you go off somewhere, you're having to cook out somewhere, whatever, and you come back home and you left the porch light on because you knew it was going to be after dark? When you got home, and, and, and when you get home, every bug in the county is sitting on the screen door waiting on you to come back because they're drawn, they're drawn to that light. And they just, man, they just, thousands of them, millers, muskinas, moths, millers. Man, I, can't, I even alliterate my bugs. Millers, muskinas, and moths. And they're all just sitting there waiting on you to get back home. Because they're drawn to that life. Come up here. Can I tell you something? God is drawn to our praise. I don't mean God's like a bug on a, on, a, on a hot summer night to a light. But I do tell you this. Bless your heart according to the Bible. There's something that attracts God when we praise Him for our Samuels. Let me show it to you. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said this. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You know what the Bible said? That God inhabitest. Now, help me now. Y'all help me. But I got my thesaurus out because inhabitest. I want to find out. Give me some synonyms for the word inhabitest. So here's here's what that word means. It means occupies, resides, dwells, lives, locates, settles, and stays. So in other words, let me read it like this. Thou art holy, O thou that occupies, resides, dwells, lives, locates, settles, and stays in the praises of Israel. I tell you what, I believe the Lord. I believe the Lord is just pleased to live among people who will just praise Him for their Samuels. And we're all behind on thanking God for our Samuels. There's just something about public praise that God has drawn to. I'm not trying to drum something up. I'm just preaching the Bible to us tonight. Listen, whether you praise Him or don't praise Him, uh, man, whether I do it or I don't do it, hey, God is still real. God is still God. But I tell you what, I like it when God dwells and stays, locates, and occupies and whatever else I said. I like it when the Lord shows up, but He's drawn to our praises. He inhabits our praises.
In other words, we, we acknowledge God. It glorifies God when we talk about our Samuels. Can I have an amen? And then what about this? It encourages others when we talk about our Samuels. When somebody stands up in the service and says, Preacher, before you preach, can I just want to say, can I just say, I want to thank God he's given me a Samuel. A Samuel has been born in my family this week. God has given me a, a Samuel. Can I tell you something? And when you talk about the Samuel that God gave you, you know what it does? It encourages other people around you. I mean, when some of you, some of you folks stand up and you start talking about God, God gave me a Samuel. My boy got right with God. He was out in the world and, and God brought him back home. And somebody hears that. Then somebody else sitting over here has got a boy that's wayward thinks, man, if God could do it for them, God can do it for me. And maybe you didn't, maybe you just wanted to brag on God, but somebody else got encouraged by it. Maybe you talk about, man, God saved my old husband this week. Hallelujah, I've been praying for him, and God saved us. Some other lady sitting over here said, man, if God saved her husband, God can save my husband. And, 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 and people are encouraged by our bragging on God for our Samuels. I'm done now. It's 8 o'clock, and we're done, and we got to go. But can I show you really the whole story of Samuel, is, uh, of, of Hannah, is summed up in one phrase. Let me show it to you. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I want you to look at the end of verse 30. All right? 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse number 30. And there's a phrase in this verse that says this, Them that honor me, I will honor. Them that honor me, I will honor. In other words, watch this. You honor God. You and I live in such a way that we glorify and we honor Him. God said, I, man, I ain't going to let that go. Now you honor me. God said, I promise you, I will honor you. Man, that's a great promise, ain't it? Sometimes when I pray, especially with some of our older folks, they have the hospital, I go to their home, visit them. I'll say something like this, Lord, these folks have tried to honor you through the years and now they're at the point that they need you to honor them. You know what I'm doing? I'm just quoting this promise back to God that if we honor him, Hannah has honored God and guess what? God honored Hannah. Boy, I'll tell you what, I want God to honor me, but if he's going to honor me, I'm going to have to be honorable. I'm going to have to honor him if he is going to honor me. I don't know if you've ever heard this man's name. Maybe some of you older folks have, but his name is Eric Lydell. And maybe you've heard his story, and if you have, forgive me to death, but let me tell you who Eric Lydell was. Eric who? Uh, Eric Lydell. Let me tell you, he was a gold medalist in the 1924 uh, Olympic Games in, uh, that was held in Paris. But Eric he actually won the gold medal in the 400-meter race in the Olympic Games that was in Paris that year. But that's not what he's most famous for. I mean, he's a gold medalist, won the 400-meter race. But what he's really known for is this. You see, Eric Liddell, all of his life, had trained for the 100-meter race. I mean, his whole life. He had trained, he had strained, he had sweated, he had worked hard for the upcoming Olympic the 24 Olympics, to run in the, in the 100-meter race. And he was heavily favored to win the gold medal. Hands down, they said he's going to win it. 
There's only one problem. Eric Lydell was a devout child of God. He was a devout follower of the Lord Jesus. And that race, the 100-meter race in Paris in 24, was going to be run on the Lord's day. And Eric Lydell said, I can't run that race. It ain't right to run a race on the Lord's day. I wish NASCAR would realize that. It ain't right to run a race on the Lord's day. Not going to do it. And so he withdrew from the 100-meter race, and there was only one, one race left to, want, or to run, and that was the 400-meter race that was to be run the next day. He was from the country of Scotland, and all of the people from Scotland, they, man, they started criticizing. Man, you give up a gold medal. There's no way you can win the 400-meter race. No way. You haven't trained for that. You don't have the stamina for that. You threw away a gold medal. You're a crazy. The next day on Monday, because it wasn't Sunday, he ran the 400-meter race, and guess what? He won the crazy thing. I mean, shocked the world. He won it. And in an interview, when it was all said and done, they said to him, why did you do that? Why did you throw away a sure gold medal for a chance at not even getting a medal? And he said this, God said, them that honor him, he will honor. And if you and I, like Hannah, will dishonor God, honor the Lord, God will in turn honor us. Amen. Hannah teaches us, hey, bring your burdens. Hannah teaches us, hey, perform your, pro your promises, but Hannah teaches us, hey, glorify your giver. Amen. Look up to heaven every once in a while and just say, Lord, thank you for my Samuel. Thank you for helping me. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer.